to the Better Golf Podcast, powered by Win Daily Sports, where betters go to bet better. Here are your hosts, Tee Off Sports and Sticks Picks. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Better Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Tee Off Sports, and I'm happy to be joined by my man, Sticks Picks, as the two of us will be taking you through the board for the Masters this weekend at Augusta National. Nick, I don't really want to take too much longer in this intro than than what we're going to do right now. I want to get into this DFS board this week, but anything you want to talk about very quickly before we get into Augusta? I hate Ryan Fox. <laughs> Other than that, no. Um, pretty pretty bummed about that, man. So much Patrick Rogers last week. I, uh, I did tweet out kind of how I got to him because nothing in any data would have showed me that Patrick Rogers was a good play. So I did tweet out kind of the sauce for how I found him. And basically just, we talked about a little bit on last week's pod, like trust bookmakers sometimes if, you know, depending on which ones. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I was excited to have a ton of P rod, but uh, I had a ton of Ryan Fox. I believe I called him a serial cut maker. Did not make the cut, but now I'm pumped for Augusta, man, looking at pricing. This sucks. Uh, DraftKings yeah. squeezed everybody FanDuel squeezed everybody points at every book I have in Illinois right now is pretty pretty bad with these prices so I haven't checked matchups yet this morning we got some of those um, all right well just looking at that I, I do have some interesting questions to ask you when, when we get into the betting board but yeah DFS I am $15 millionaire maker this week should be a lot of fun um, a lot of good contests obviously DraftKings kind of rolls out the red carpet for this week because a ton of people that don't play DFS are going to play there's gonna be work pools all that good stuff but yeah I'm excited to tell you some of the guys that I'm fading and uh, there's nothing you could do about it so <laughs> let's get into it um, you got any thoughts on the course I mean everybody's probably listening to 100 podcasts right now so I don't know if you want to dive into the course too much I know they lengthen 13 um, I'll start real quick I was very heavy on long iron play I mean that's just pretty much Augusta in a nutshell short iron play as well you got to hit those shelves on the greens um, so proximities for approaches is going to be pretty important for me guys uh, that this is one of the most predictable courses if not the most predictable course in the PGA and what we mean by that is course history Spencer and I both are not big course history guys, but here it does matter. Guys that play well here tend to continue to play well here. You got people like Kevin Na, that's just a walking top 15 here. It makes no sense because he doesn't really check any box for me outside of course history. I will not be playing Kevin Na on principle. Um, and then you got uh, Cameron Champ, like comes into this event in shit form every single year and has had some fantastic finishes. I believe his last three goes here. Um, so it's it's weird. Like people just have comfort here. Um, obviously, caddies and everything like that matter. So, you know, Cameron Young gets Paul the story from your boy Webb. Webb pretty much thrown in the towel, knows it's over, um, knows he's not going to make Paul any more money. So I think that's probably my favorite topic of today is Webb Simpson admitting Webb Simpson has no more upside um, because that's pretty much what he's telling Paul. So your comments on Webb and then your comments on Augusta. You know, I know you don't even know this, so this is actually going to be a good segue into this. Uh, did you see who my pickup was today in our season-long league? I have not. I've been staring at the betting board and prepping my odds for the tweet later. Let's see what you did live so on it's, air. It's Masters week, obviously. I mean, people are picking up players for the Masters, and there was about 20 players picked up. And then there's little old me in there who makes my little move that when Nick finds it, I'm sure you'll hear his reaction. Where the hell? I don't even know where to look. Okay, hold on, hold on. Pending transaction. Oh, I got to cancel this trade. Justin Suffer Cam Davis. I wasn't going to accept it. Don't yeah, worry. Okay, it's, I, I knew it was for last week on it. Who did you? All right, T-Off Sports. Sorry, we're just blatantly wasting your guys' time. I found it. I found it. I found it, I think. Web. <laughs> you had a web drop pen because I, I think that's a win. I mean, what plays well next here? Week? And the RBC. I know he didn't he didn't qualify for the Masters, but no, this week that is no, sharp. I, okay, I'm planning for next week right now, so I'm a step ahead of everybody else. I had Tiger Woods that I picked up last week. I have Tiger in my lineup this week for the Masters, making a move for next week. And you know, as for as bad as my team's been this year, Nick, I'm on a roll right now. I think five wins in a row. It all started with the defense that I played against you, and now things are rolling. I am like. I, I think I'm UConn of this league. Like at some point, like I went in kind of one of the top teams with it. And then you had this middle season struggle and now I'm just clicking on all cylinders. So I don't know how you stop the Jason day train that I've created. 
Yeah, that was the only downside of uh, the bye week two weeks ago. I did want to mention that your team was getting hot, but I guess now that if you jinxed it, you jinxed it. Yeah, Spencer was dead last. He's in the playoffs. I think eight teams make the playoffs. Oh, do they? I, but yeah, I didn't even I know think that. So. But, you're, but you're five and five. You're a game out of the playoffs if it is sixth place. So who knows? But yeah, congrats to you. Um, Thank you. Yeah, picking up Webb. I think that RBC is probably one of the only contests that I guess Webb could still compete in potentially. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just going to be out on Webb. But I do like that. So you can't quit him, even though when he quits himself. Well, I mean, I, I always believe in my players. We've seen that with Jason Day historically. But I will very, very quickly talk about this course. I think you said it best, Nick. There's not a ton that needs to be said about it that you're not going to hear on every single podcast that you listen to this week. Uh, it's not going to need any introduction for that reason. It's not only the eight, only major that takes place on the same track yearly, but the expectations have been pronounced when we dive into this venue from a statistical perspective. You do have these wide open fairways that are nearly 20 yards extended in width on average that will present the feel of a course that is a long driver's paradise. However, that particular skill will only take you so far when you look at the massive undulation and multiple tiered perspective of the putting surfaces on all 18 holes. That's one of the reasons the long-term data has generated a 6.5% enhancement when looking into the dispersion of scoring for strokes gain around the green. I don't want to make it sound as if it's a death sentence for success if you struggle with that portion of your game. Although I will say, Nick, you better be elite in all other areas if you want to get around a green complex that typically takes multiple showings to get accustomed to its unique layout. I think overall, you know, if we talk about distance, as long as you're inside the top 40% of my model in that regard, I was fine. I didn't eliminate anybody that was in that general section for me. Uh, maybe you get a little bit more of a distance prerequisite this year just because of the wet and rainy conditions that we've seen at this track but um i mean i guess let's very quickly talk about the top of our models and then we'll get into the ten thousand dollars section here so for me it's a very kind of standard i guess i mean number five you could make an argument maybe number four and number five you could make an argument are a little too high but uh number one rory mcelroy i think that's who's going to win the tournament this week we can get into that more later number two scotty scheffler number three john rom and then I guess the two that would be a little bit funkier, uh, Tony Finau, four, Jason Day, five. When I ran this for upside, Cantlay saw a massive boost for me. I kind of got similar boost for Xander, which is an every week thing. We've talked about this a million times over the past two years. But uh, what about you, Nick? What what it looked yeah. like for you? Yeah, very similar. Rory, Scotty, Rom. So the top of the board right there. Patrick Cantlay, number four. My numbers seem to love him. Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth and Tony Finau pretty much tied for fifth. Xander, honorable mention, T7 or T6, whatever that would be. I had Spieth a little bit lower. We can talk about him in the $9,000 section, but do you want to just start us up in the $10,000 range here? And we'll Let's go do it. There? Yeah, so top of the board, a ton of ownership right now. You're seeing Scotty Scheffler right around 24%. John Rahm sub 20, but still going to be pretty high. Rory McIlroy, probably the highest owned player in the field. Actually, Corey Connors is. We'll yeah. talk about that in a minute. Uh, Rory, 27%. I'm like you. I mean, my numbers love Rory. Everything about Rory checked every box I was looking for. The only downside are his green regulations from 200 plus out are historically bad this year usually if you go to the last 12 months last 18 months the sample size that i use he's top five in the field for the, that range but this year it's been struggling not a big sample size though so i'm gonna trust rory here the only issue is like i don't know rory kind of came out of nowhere last year to finish second i feel like he never yeah, really yeah. had a chance of winning i don't think his like his history is not amazing here is it let's see um rory i mean obviously. i mean yeah multiple top fives i'm i'm fine with it he was cut in 2021 that second masters there but uh, yeah i mean i would love him to win it'd just be awesome for him to get the grand slam obviously like he's kind of the face of the pga tour right now with all the live bullshit going on out there um approach everything right now is in fantastic form he is bombing the ball off the tee i think the highest swing speed he's ever had so you know as people want to say i think on the action network show yesterday one of the data guys said that this is like his 15th masters um but he's still 33 like he's young for golf and he is pounding the ball i have plenty of faith in rory his around the his short games probably you know arguably outside of last year probably the best it's ever been so yes i'm i'm okay with it if i had to fade one 
I think I'm going to fade Scotty Scheffler, but with some of the guys I love in the 6K range, I can get two of these guys and I think I'm okay with it. So uh, your advice to me, if, if you're, you know, if you want to play my advisor, do I fade one of them or play all three? Because it's going to be tough. I don't think I could really get to much higher than two X on Rory. Cause then I'm talking, you know, 60% Rom would be 40%. If I play two X, Scotty would be 50%. It's just not going to work. It's going to have a two man combo in all of my lineups. I certainly don't want that. So I feel like, by default, unless I just play the field weight on all three, which I don't think I'm gaining much because there's so much win equity in these three players, I got to fade one. And I think it's going to be Scotty. I think you can go slightly over in some spots and be more like for me, if I was to power rank it, it, it would probably go Rory's one. We know defending champions here have always kind of struggled in their next attempt. I don't like trends like that. That's not something that I would necessarily, um, you know, use just for that particular reason there. But I guess Scotty would be two and Rom would be three for me. And, you know, maybe it's one of those spots where I would be around field weight on Rom. I mean, if you want to go a little bit lower and then go above on Rory and a little bit above on Scotty, but like to me, the way that I see this board, and I want to talk about Rory very quickly after I get done with that. But the way I see this board, you get this major championship pricing that is very soft like we know this every single time the $6,000 range gives you so many ample possibilities of how to build this. Right. I think the win equity in the $10,000 range is substantially more than the $9,000 golfers. Um, there's a couple players that we can talk about in a second in the $9,000 range that I am fine playing, but I'm kind of in one of those positions in my mind right now where I'd rather play all three of them and kind of just get rid of most of the $9,000 section there. And, I don't think it's an impossible route to stack them together. Like just put two of them into a lineup. And uh, that's not normally my game plan in these builds, but you know, you have to remember Nick, like, I mean, what we're looking at an 87, 88 man field this week. You have past champions that are 65 plus you have amateurs. There's probably 17 players right away that you can eliminate that have any real chance to compete. And you know, it's going to be difficult for them to make the cut. I think that's something that's noteworthy in all of this. And it's top 50 in ties. So I'd like to think that, you know, you probably can look at about 65% of the players, give or take, making the weekend here. And if that means that I can be more aggressive by stacking near the top and being willing to go down into the $6,000 range, and I probably wouldn't go lower than like 6,300. And there's a couple of players there we can talk about because I think when you go lower than that, you really start getting into the amateurs that you know nothing about. Unless, I mean, unless you want to play like Gordon Sargent and you think that, you know, one of these amateurs can make a run. But I don't have any data to believe anybody in that range other than like, and I'm obviously skipping sec all the sections here. But like, I think any lower than Mackenzie Hughes, you start running into problems. But there's so many $6,000 golfers that I feel fine putting into a build that, I would be okay stacking two of these $10,000 guys. I think you can put them with a lot of guys in this 9,000 and below range. And like that almost just naturally means that I'm going to be massively underweight or out on every $9,000 golfer for the most part. All right. Let's get to the 9K range then. 9K flat, Xander Shoffley. What, you're not fading Xander Shoffley. I won't allow that. Are you? No, I, Xander is, I would say there's two players in this range. And I have an outright bet that I put on Xander at 29 to one. So I'm, I'm ready to be hurt again there. That numbers moved a little bit. I had proper at 22 to one. Uh, Xander is one of the two that I will be playing in that range. Um, I just think the, the win equity, I know like this is a weird statement to make because Xander doesn't win tournaments, but I think the win equity for him is better than a lot of players that are above him. Like I, I would say he's more likely to win this tournament than I get burned every single time once I go down this route, but Colin Morikawa, I think he's more likely to win this tournament than Max Homa. Um, I think he's more likely, I know nobody wants to hear this, to win this tournament than Jordan Spieth. I don't really know where Cameron Smith's game is right now. Like that's kind of one of those hit and miss spots, but really the only golfer in this range that I would say is more likely to win by my numbers would be Patrick Cantlay. Love that. All right. I absolutely love Cantlay. I don't know what to do with Colin Morikawa. Like, grade's fine. Course history is pretty solid. He's okay. Yeah, I mean, Form I'm is... out, though, probably. Just, I'd rather play almost everybody else in that range for one reason or another, whether it's an ownership-based answer, an upside-based answer, or whatever it comes down to. Um, but that's, but I'm also the person that fades Morikawa every single week, and he wins majors on me, so... 
Uh, I had the same problem with Brooks for a very long time where I never played Brooks in any major and it burned me every single time. So, I mean, take all of that with a grain of salt. Yeah, if you look at Colin, just going back to previous years, he was gaining significantly more strokes off the tee leading up to the Masters those years than he was this year. So if you want to find any negative with Colin, that's going to be it. Obviously, the iron play is going to be fantastic. You're always going to get a little bit of a sketchy putter, short games, hit or miss. So um, Colin just doesn't make me feel as comfortable as Xander does. Like Xander checks every single box. Obviously, I'm a Xander homer. Um, Max Homa, do you have any love for him at sub 10%? I feel like the only leverage up here is going to be Cameron Smith and Max Homa. I'm not playing Cameron Smith. Um, hasn't played well on the live. I don't watch it, so I don't really know a whole lot. It's just like, I'm, you know, I think verbatim, he said the other day on the radio that he spends more time fishing than playing golf, which if that's your life now, then, I mean, that sounds great. Sounds relaxing. Good for him. I mean, he's, he won the, you know, the British open and that's huge for him and may not care about golf too much anymore, but I'm going to be out on Cameron Smith and Jordan Spieth at 25%. I'm sorry. Clicking the X button. You guys can have that. Yeah, I, I'm he's the more expensive than Patrick Cantley. Like, sorry to cut you off, but I'm a little emotional here. Like, give me Cantley all day and Jordan Speeth at 25%. If he was like 8,800, 9K flat, like down by Xander, the ownership makes a little more sense to me there. Um, but no, I'm, I'm not playing Jordan Speeth. If he was 9,708% owned, there'd be a different conversation to be had here. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's more expensive than Cantley, and he's also, you know, my the numbers that I ran with it, which I used some of your numbers this week that you sent over, and uh, some of the numbers that I had, I didn't really trust my data, but, you know, I see about a 7-8% difference between them, so give me Cantley all day there. Uh, as far as Homa goes, I, I don't know, Nick. I, he's I, I think, safe. I, I don't even know. Like, it's it's a weird position with him, so, you know, obviously at this particular course, he's gone miscut, miscut 48th. I do think he's a different golfer than he's historically ever been. But if you look at some of these markets and I mean, I mean, any head to head market at any book in the entire industry, sharp square. I I don't care what you're talking about here. He's an underdog to every single golfer. I've not seen him a favorite in one matchup. And not only is he an underdog, like it's one thing if he's an underdog to Xander or Cantley or people that we like, and I'm not saying I don't like some of these guys, but he's an underdog to every single $8,000 golfer all the way to Sung Jay down at 8,100. And I know there's a lot of popularity around him, but like a substantial dog. So that worries me ever so slightly. I guess the ownership like leverage that you can create with it would at least make me willing to play it because the Masters is one of those tournaments and that's kind of what I was alluding to. It's the maturation process that you need here to find success. So it's not uncommon for a guy to go miscut, miscut 48th and then in that fourth appearance, all of a sudden we get, you know, a 12th place, a 10th place, whatever you want to put for him in that result there. And then the next year is the year that he wins it. But I just feel like there's very limited win equity on Max Homa this week, which I don't know if I'm necessarily creating the leverage that I'm hoping for based off of that answer. Like, I don't know what his upside is. And maybe you have a better answer for that than I do, Nick. But I mean, like to me, I'd be happy if he came in, 10th place and that would be great but I, I if that's what I'm shooting for I don't know if I like that's the route I want to go yeah for that price too I think you're you're gaining leverage if he finishes top five or something like that but yeah um I'm gonna be out on Max Homa I just I'd rather have Xander for cheaper me too. The ownership's, I mean, not, the ownership's yeah. not crazy on Xander uh what about JT last guy I have in this pool right now so right now I have Cantlay Xander and JT I, I know his putter's kind of all over the place right now I think he has lost strokes just the last two, so Valspar and the players. But Valspar, he did finish 10th. Probably, a, I don't know, he was an overwhelming favorite in that contest. Right now, looking at the numbers since to, to January, um, proximity is terrible from 200-plus. Green regulation is very good, but the proximity is bad. And green regulation from 150 to 175 is not good either. So what are your thoughts on JT? But other than that, like he, his iron play is fantastic overall so i mean that's he's a ball striker. around the greens amazing course history is pretty solid i feel like he's always a weekend climber as well yeah i feel like i I want to keep him i i'm indifferent about him and i don't mean that in a bad way that's not like an answer i'm giving because i'm indifferent because i don't want to say i don't want to play him i think he's fairly priced i think he's fairly owned i think he's a top 10 player in this tournament from any iteration of how i pretty much ran my numbers here 
I am generally okay if anybody wants to use him. I would not be, you know, beating a drum here that you need to get him out of a lineup because there is some massive problem. Like, I think the numbers are fair across the board. Um, so I don't have a problem with him making a player pool. Okay. Uh, 8K range. Let's start at the top down. Tony Finau getting a ton of ownership here, 20% at 8,900. We got DJ sub 10%. I think DJ's number is going to climb a little bit. I feel like we had our our great chance. And again, it's the millionaire maker story for me at the British Open. Like Dustin was like 3% owned and you and I were all over it now. I don't think that's going to happen here. Uh, Jason Day, 20%, 8,700. Cameron Young, 16%, 8,600. Then everybody but Sanjay is pretty low owned in the AK range. So we'll start back, go to the bottom here. Fitz, AK flat, sub 5%. I think that's DFS intrigue. Sanjay yeah. M, 22%. Probably will bail on that, but I'll wait to get your thoughts. Will Zalatoris, 5%. His game is in a blender right now. I'm going to be out on him. Sam Burns, not sure what to do with him. But all these guys are 10% with Burns, Hideki, Hovland. So what are your thoughts real quick at the top with DJ and Fino? I love Fino. Um, eight starts this year on the PGA Tour. He's come inside the top 25 every single time. You know, Nick, I think I've been the proponent. And I said this for, I, I think, from December, January, anytime that we did a show, even before that, this was going to be the year of Fino. And obviously, we have not reached that point. Like, I went as far as to say he's going to be the number one ranked player in the world by the time this year ended. And uh, that trajectory that we're on right now is not even close there. But I think Finau is legitimately a top 10 golf or sorry, let me rephrase that a top five golfer in the world, even at his current state right now. Um, I love how he fits for the masters. I know the ownership's really high, but if you look at the course history with him, I, I think some of those results, like I, I want to say that 2021, if I recall correctly, that was like an all over the map sort of situation. Um, I want to say that I had a head to head bet of Finau over Tiger for that. And I have never seen Tony Finau play so poorly off the tee before. Like he wasn't hitting the driver. Everything was going 260 yards. He was putting himself in this distance spot where everything was longer than it needed to be coming in. And then on Sunday, he ended up making a run. If it's the, if it's the year I'm thinking about, and I ended up pushing Tiger in that spot there, but I kind of generally think that Finau is a top 10 player at the masters when we're looking at like expected finish of what my model thinks should be an expectation for him on it. Obviously he's fourth overall for me, so we can even push that higher. Uh, as far as Dustin is concerned, I kind of have all the same problems with most of these live guys that are a price tag that, you know, would be $8,000 or up. So if you want to say Dustin Johnson and Cameron Smith here, I don't know where their games are. And there's, you're going to have some people that are going to completely bail. You're going to have other players that are going to play them because they think they're creating leverage on it. I'm just going to probably be out and make Dustin beat me. Um, I, I would rather just go massively overweight to Finau and Day than I kind of agree with you, Nick. I think Dustin is going to continue to climb in ownership. I don't know what percentage you see right now because I did incorporate my numbers back into the mix here. So like I have 11%. Okay. So yeah. I have 11%. So um, I guess technically I have them climbing a little bit from the numbers that you sent me there, but I think that that's inevitably where we get to is where he is a 13, 14, 15% owned golfer because people try to play him last minute here thinking that he is the pivot away from a fiend hour a day. All right, well, let's go Finau. I'm with it. Um, all right, let's let's get it over with. What are you doing with Jason Day? 20%, 8,700. Cold, wet, rainy. I don't love that. I mean, that's not an ideal situation. And I put a head-to-head -head wager in on Jason Day over Cameron Young. I got that at plus 102. It has moved to, I believe, minus 110 now. That's over on FanDuel. I, I don't know. Like To me, that's more of a situation where I'm betting on the safety of Day. And maybe that makes Day a better cash game player than anything. Um, my numbers don't necessarily, I don't want to say I don't love him. I mean, he's a top 10 player to win this tournament, but there are some downside metrics if you're looking to win. I think you're fine here at 8,700. Obviously, there's a lot of popularity, but really where I'm going with that is the day wager against Young was more of picking on Young in a spot where I'm trying to fade him. I'd like to see where Jason Day ends up ownership wise before making a decision, but 
there's a lot of golfers in this lower $8,000 section. Like Fitzpatrick would be one. I'm getting very intrigued by Sam Burns. The more that I run numbers, I would probably give a similar answer for Hideki. I think like the positive trajectory that I have for him is starting to shoot up my model with a lot of ways that I'm running it. Um, I'm generally okay with Victor Hovland. I don't think the ownership is massively too high on him. I think it's fair. And I, I think the price tag is also pretty fair there. So there's routes to go. Like it's not like Finau and Day are the only two options. And, you know, depending on how you make your build, specifically if you go with one $10,000 golfer and, you know, you build a, a Finau, Matthew Fitzpatrick thing down here in the $8,000 $8, range, there's a lot of different routes that you can go here, in my opinion. You're going to, I'm fading Jason Day and Cameron Young. TBD on Dustin Johnson, most likely, yes, going to be out because I think he is going to garner steam as the week goes on. It's been happening all week long. Sam Burns, what were your thoughts on Sam Burns? I like Sam Burns. So I've seen him be a steady mover in a lot of the sharper markets, but my numbers also liked him. And, you know, if we believe that his game has turned around and he's over all these driver problems now that he had, this does seem to be a very nice setup for him if his irons can cooperate. Like he's number one in my model for weighted putting. That matters at Augusta. Like I know the dispersion of scoring, if we just look at that, is going to give you a massive decrease when it comes to strokes game putting. But the short game for him is really enticing to be able to find success here. And I think the driver looked so much better at the match play than we've seen it look in months for him. And the iron started trending in the right direction too. So, uh, I mean, if I had to make a decision right now and I see sub 10% on him, I would play Sam Burns at that ownership in the price tag. Yeah, he was, uh, I, I think we went to the, like the special market last year during the show. He was my top debutant, missed a cut on the number, so I lost that bet. But yes, like you said, the stroke scene off the tee right now is probably the best four-week stretch we've ever seen in Sam Burns' career. I believe that is actually true. Maybe the start or the end, I guess the fall swing of 2021 looks pretty good too. And that's when he won the Sanderson's. T14 at Shriners, T5, CJ Cup, T7, T3. Like, he was on a roll. Uh, granted, not great fields, but that was also the year he came back and won the Valspar for the second time, too. So, yeah, I, I think Sam Burns, like, as much as I liked him last year, now I actually have a reason to like him more. Like, the field's not on him. Last year, I think he was kind of a hot name to have as a, as a debutante, especially coming off the win at the Valspar. Um, I like him a lot. Sanjay M, 22%, 8,100. My heart says play him. My brain and game theory says get rid of him and play Fitzpatrick and Sam Burns around him. Combined, significantly less ownership, like 10% less ownership if you play both Burns and Fitz and just let Sanjay walk. But I don't know. He's so good at Augusta. Um, what is he? He's like a walking top 10 here too, isn't he? Let's check him. Yeah, T2, T2 cut and eighth. So, yeah. I think no matter how you, you run a model for Sanjay, he's going to look very good for you like that goes without saying there's a reason why he's this high owned but I, I tend to agree with your initial assessment of this situation and I would like to throw Hideki Matsuyama into that mix like he's probably my favorite of the Sam Burns Matthew Fitzpatrick and then him I'm going to be kind of massively overweight to Hideki in spots so if that means that I need to get rid of Sungjae to do that and and by the way like when I ran numbers for Sungjae versus Hideki and this would just be in a head-to-head matchup Sungjae was minus 106 for me against Hideki. So very, very slight favorite, but you're essentially looking at a 50-50 spot at half the ownership. Like I'm going to take that situation when I can get it because, you know, Sungjae's not immune to blowing up randomly in these spots. And we've seen him burn the public before as a massive chalk. That's what I was going to say. Like Sungjae chalk is, I don't know if it's ever worked out, ever, (laughs) like ever. We've talked about him being severely mispriced. Uh, a couple of times last summer, like he was 7,700 one week and was like 40% owned. And we're like, fuck it. We're just going to eat it. Miss a cut. Like it's happened many times. I think I'm out. He's um, the most mispriced. I, I like, I will say this. He's the most mispriced player on the board, $8,000 or above, but it ruins the luster when you're talking about a 20, 25% player at that point, where I think you can create leverage very easily with players that are quite similar i think hideki is quite similar to him um i mean you could even say i mean hideki's actually won this event before i know you want to talk about like people up there want to talk about injury concerns and 
any of that, but he looked good last week. I, I kind of just going to hold my hat there and say that this is a tournament that he finds success on. Anytime you give him a tough scoring course, anytime you give him fast greens, that version of Hideki is usually the one that makes a run. So um, that's kind of my synopsis reason of why Sungjae is probably out for me. And I would rather move that ownership over to Hideki. Yeah, I mean, you could honestly move it over. You can get a little bit overweight on Hideki, Burns, and Fitzpatrick, and you're exactly. still coming in at less percent ownership than what Sanjay is likely to be. Let's say, I'm, I'm assuming Sanjay is going to be 2,500, give or take, or 25%. I don't know. I would agree with that, about. yeah. 7K range, Tyrrell Hatton, 6%. I like Hatton a ton. Hatton is on my betting board, I will tell you. I think I just went pretty much uh, across the board on Tyrrell Hatton. Actually, I did not. I did take him to win. 6,500 to 1, or 65 to 1 on FanDuel. Took him plus 190 on the top 20 range. I got my write-up on him somewhere. Where the hell did I put it? I don't know where I put it. Yeah, I don't know. It should be here somewhere, but... Oh, here we go. Hat. All right. Here's my hat and write up. So real quick, because he's probably one of the guys I like the most in this price range. So we're getting a discount for the 17th best uh, golfer in the world, official world golf rankings. And then before the WGC, he logged two of his back to back best iron rounds or best iron play tournaments since 2019. Um, finished runner up at the players and then fourth at API obviously sucked at the Valero. So I think that's why we're getting a little bit of an ownership discount. 7,900 too for Tyrrell Hatton sounds interesting. Great short game player. Um, he's shown the ability to score here. I believe it was a T18 in 2021, but this is also the best iron form that he's supported uh, coming into the event and GIR percentage from 150 to 175 is fantastic. And 200 plus is fantastic. So I like Tyrrell Haddon sub 10%. I'm seeing 6% now. I think that's going to fall a little bit more because I think people are going to go more towards the course history of Shane Lowry. I'm going to be out on Shane Lowry. I am also going to be out on Shane Lowry. And I really think that the ownership discount for Hatton, and I'm paraphrasing here. I don't think these are the exact words that Tyrrell Hatton said, although uh, this sounds like something that Tyrrell Hatton would say. I I think he called Augusta some sort of, words of like this course is fucking shit or this course is shit or whatever the answer was with it. So like when Hatton is going on and on about, this is not a venue that he likes. It's just going like that rings in people's minds here. I, I think that's why you get a five or 6% ownership discount with him. But like I, I did a season long fantasy league that I was telling you about Nick last week. And when I ran my numbers and this is just on like any generic course, this is not talking about Augusta national. I think he was the 13th or the 14th best player in my model there. And I mean, now we're starting to talk about a golfer that's in the $7,000 range where nobody wants to play him. And he's actually a top 15 sort of player. So I don't know what his win equity is. Like, I don't know if I love an outright ticket as much as you do necessarily on it. Like it's certainly possible that he wins. I'm not going to discount that, but really the route that I love going is your top 20 wager. You talked me into it. That was plus one ninety plus one ninety plus one ninety. I think that's a very intriguing route to go. And then from a GPP perspective, um, I mean, he's going to create leverage in a spot where there's a lot of ownership here. And like, I'll just very quickly run through some of these names. And I guess let's just give like a very quick yes or no, each one of us to it, just so we have players that we're talking about in this range. Um, Justin Rose, 7,800. Yes or no. I like him, but the ownership's starting to get up there. So I I don't know what to do. Um, As of now, Yes. Um, I do like where the iron play is at and his long iron play especially is in really good form right now. I think this is, I mean, he's gained strokes one, seven tournaments in a row with his iron play and significantly in most of them. Markets like him, um, or at least a, a, a handful of markets like him. I, I guess I'm going to say no, because I would rather play Hideki. I would rather play Fitz. I would rather play Burns. Like I know like I'm going up in price to do it, but if I have the ability to do so, I would rather move up in that regard uh Joaquin Neiman I see about I'm going to say yes I'm going to say yes to Neiman I I don't like this is one of those situations I know I've I've talked so badly about these live golfers for the most part here but I think once we get into the seven thousand dollar or less range like this kid's kind of like the fringe number of whether you want to push it one way or another Uh, I looked at his results just because I was curious what he had been doing on live I I think to be honest with you I don't know who's won any tournament other than Brooks Kepka won last week And I only know that because everybody then bet Brooks Kepka to win this tournament. And I saw that trending on my Twitter. Uh, Neiman's been bad. Like that's a concern. Like he doesn't look like he's been informed, but I kind of like his short game more than you do, Nick. Um, 
I've seen him historically on these quicker tracks find success. So I mean, that's why we bet him at Riv. Exactly. I mean, that's like, that's kind of what the answer comes down to. And um, I mean, it's the same kind of quality field that we got there for that, where he's able to win a golf tournament. So I don't know. I, I think he's an intriguing play from a GPP perspective. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood, 7,700. Probably in. I'm going to be out on Tom Kim, though. Are you out on Tom Kim? I am in on Tom Kim. Damn it. So Damn I'm going to just give a very quick reason for why I'm in on Tom Kim. And um, I don't know what the upside is here, unfortunately. Like, we're looking at a situation where if he came top 20 or top 25, that's probably about the best we can hope for in his first appearance here. I know the forms look terrible. I know this hasn't necessarily been the Tom Kim that we saw six months ago, but I kind of tend to believe that his skill set from a metric standpoint still puts him in that top 20 range. And like the general public is just so out on him at this point that I would rather bet on him being able to turn it around here. I don't love the fast surface for him. I'm kind of afraid, like there's part of me that, thinks that Kim might lose 12 strokes putting and this could be a disaster. And if that happens, obviously this is going to go very poorly, but I kind of like a lot of his numbers in some spots. And I'm not the person that ran this with so much distance. Like I said, distance obviously helps and he does have a distance problem that he's going to have to overcome here. But look, how many of these $7,000 guys do you actually believe can win this golf tournament? Like to me, the answer is, a couple maybe like very few like I don't know I'd be forcing it to say that like yeah maybe Tommy Fleetwood could win I like Fleetwood I'm gonna play him this week but and maybe Joaquin Neiman can win and maybe Justin Rose but that's kind of where this threshold to me stops like anybody below that doesn't really have real win equity and we have to play people in the seven thousand dollar range I don't have that many players that I like more specifically when we look at the ownership there so I think Tom Kim from a leverage perspective is probably one of the better plays I don't know. His form's been terrible. So I don't know. I'm I'm TBD there. I guess you just kind of Justin Rose or Tom Kim. Tom Kim. Tom Kim. Yeah, I, I think that's it. And I know markets hate Tom Kim. Like he is, I've seen him, I've seen him 130 to one at sharper books to win this event. But I kind of tend to agree with that. I don't think he has any real win equity here, which you could say is a negative, but we're also talking about a golfer that is going to be the lowest maybe the lowest owned player that's not named Matthew Fitzpatrick from him and up like that to me is intriguing for a tournament that he's at least making cuts it's not like we're seeing a version of him go out here that is missing every single weekend he's just subpar in most of these outings and he's coming in 40th place and 50th place but you know make a cut and try to make a run on the weekend and he's practicing with tiger. You have to like that. Like tiger has to be helping him a little bit. I would think on how to play this course. Okay. That might be and, what the rules were for Tom Kim is uh, yeah. Well, like he'll stay on tour as long as tiger can coach him up for the masters here. I know he's got Ricky's old caddy too. How did Ricky do at Augusta? I don't have all the, the old data, but did he ever do all right at Augusta? I don't have it up in front of me right now. I can have it in one second if you give me a second. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know on that. But uh, Tommy Fleetwood, I'll probably keep in just because I, I feel like he's safe. He's solid here. Brooks Kepka chalk out. I'm I'm out. And then we got to talk about Mr. Ownership himself. Corey Connors. I'm out. I know he just won, but Brooks Kepka 15% coming off the, uh, the live win. I think it'd be cool for Brooks. If he competed here, I know if you guys watch full swing, like his mind was certainly in a blender too. Um, didn't think that he could compete, but I'm not playing Brooks Kepka at 15% and Corey Connors, 28% leading the field in ownership. I'm not playing. It's not just a ownership thing. It's uh, not, the proxim- yeah. proximities and green regulations from over 200 yards. Not great. Um, even the 150 to 200, not as good as you'd like. And I really question his short game. Um, so I'm going to go no on Corey Connors. I know the course history is fantastic, but 28%. I will let him beat me if that happens. I put 30% weight for co- course history this week, and he is still overvalued in my model. It thought he should have been cheaper, and that's like going as much as I ever go for a tournament. So uh, it's kind of to your point. It, it has, I don't think the metrics are where they've been in years past for him. I know he just won a golf tournament. That's a weird comment to give, but the Valero is the Corey Connors event. Um, very upset with myself that I didn't use him in one and done's last week. I do every single season. And then this is the one year I decided not to. So 
not really sure what that answer was about, but as far as Ricky goes, yeah, I mean, Ricky's course history at the masters is immaculate. Uh, fifth in 2014, 12th in 2015, miscut in 2016, an 11th in 2017, a second in 2018. I remember that one very specifically because I had a wager on him. Ninth in 2019 and then 29th in 2020. All right. Well, Joe Skavorin's his caddy. I'm sorry if I butchered your name, Joe, but he's on the bag for Tom Kim. Let's go, Tom Kim. I think you uh, you may have uncovered a a low-owned gem there. I'm, I'm in. Let's do it. I don't want to talk about too many more of these players here. I just want to throw out a couple more that I think are going to be questions for people in the space. So Minwoo Lee, 7,600. I have seen out. his name. I am 100% out too. That is um, that is a player though that I have seen over and over again uh, mentioned to me. Siwoo Kim, 7,400. Couldn't be more in. It's Siwoo Kim. Dude. I am also, I am also I think in. I'm going to fade Siwoo Kim. <laughs> <Stop it. laughs> I, I am also in on Siwoo. Um, do you have any intrigue in Abraham answer? No, I would rather have Keegan Bradley at 2%. I like both of them. I know Abe answer is going to like the thing with Neiman, like he at least played well in those uh, European events that were, I know like, I don't think there's a huge difference between 54 holes and 72, but he at least won there. Actually, uh, Abe answer did win the Saudi international powered by SoftBank investors. So cool. Whatever that is. Um, but <laughs> I, do, I don't know. Abe's short game's terrible. I, I can't imagine it got much better. Long iron play is not fantastic. I don't know what. I'm not I'm, super intrigued by him, but. I feel like anytime I ever played Abe, he always broke my heart, but I, yeah, I know he's known his way around Augusta a little bit. I, I just think it's a, a, a leverage play, but I would also give the same exact answer to Keegan, where Keegan is probably a better leverage play than answer based off of that. So I don't have a problem if you don't want to play answer and you would rather play Keegan. I'm okay with that. Um, Tiger I'll put it Woods. this way. I'll put it this way. If if we're talking live, Patrick Reed at 7,300 is gaining uh, right now 13% ownership. I'd much rather have Abe answer at I like 1%. Too. So yeah, I'll probably keep Abe in the field. Tiger Woods, I think I'm going to keep him in. I mean, I, I like so the too. numbers. The data looked pretty good at Riviera. The long iron play was really solid. I think he sucked around the green one round, and that's kind of where he lost some strokes there but like putter was fine obviously the the difference here in riviera is significantly more slope and walking this course but dude no one knows this course better than he does so uh, i'm gonna be in on tiger woods i think i just try i mean if he made the cut last year at this price like you don't need much like we're pretty much playing like can you finish top 40 anything else is like free cheese for us so i'll play tiger so one of the wagers, and I texted this to you, and unfortunately you didn't have access to the website. And this number has been a roller coaster on Bet Online. But I, when I texted it to you, it was Tiger minus one hundred three over Sergio Garcia, which I thought was a really intriguing Fantastic. price. Uh, that got up at one point. I want to say to Tiger plus one seventeen or Tiger plus one twenty, and now it has seen this reverse movement to where I want to say it's minus one ten both ways as of last check on that. But um, even at that minus 110, if you do have access to bet online, that is a very intriguing wager. I want absolutely nothing to do with Sergio this week. He's one of the biggest fades that I have on my model. And I tend to agree with Nick here that this is kind of just one of those courses where experience matters. And if Tiger is okay, and we just need Tiger to be okay, I think he has enough grit to him that he's going to fight his way through this. If Tiger is okay, I think he makes the cut. I'm just a little bit worried that this back and, and all these problems that he has might be worse than the perception around him. That's like my only concern with playing Tiger in any way. I'm I'm good. I, I trust him. What about the low 7K chalk here? We got Mito Pereira, Mito Pereira, sorry, 11% ownership. Kurt Kitayama close to 10%. Chris Kirk, I'm going to be out on Chris Kirk. And I think mm-hmm. Keith Mitchell at 10%. I'm out on Keith Mitchell at 10% too. The two that are intriguing to me, and I'm not saying I would play both of them, but... Um, Keith Mitchell, Chris Kirk, I, I kind of liked both of them. Um, I don't think the ownership is that outrageous for what they graded in my model. There might be some $6,000 golfers that I would rather go down to, or I think that are very similar at least. So they're not like must plays in my mind, but I haven't eliminated them from a player pool yet. I am out on Mito, uh, a hundred percent. I will be out on Kirk Kitayama at that ownership. Um, I think that's reasons why Mitchell and Kirk make some sense to at least like if I'm getting rid of chalk around them, 
Taylor Moore is a golfer that I have seen catching a lot of traction. My model doesn't necessarily agree. Probably one of the reasons why he's not on my season long team. And by, by the way, Nick, so we get paid out in this league. I don't even know what the number is. Do you just win every single tournament? Like, does your golfer win every single week? I get a lot of outrights. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, who runs better than you? We still got work to do. <laughs> yeah, you know, when John Rahm wins this week or when you have one of your random people win, then it'll be yeah, like... Taylor, Taylor Moore's my poor, though. Yeah, you get Taylor Moore win, then Corey Connors win. That's nice. And then we have, obviously, John Rahm win multiple times. Uh, I don't even have still, people compete. Still waiting on Will Gordon to turn... Turn the, uh, turn the old leaf over for me, but Nick, you know what's him. going to happen is so I drafted Will Gordon on my on my season long team for that FSGA contest. So um, Will Gordon is going to now turn it around. Now that he's on both of our teams, I feel like there's positive energy there. <laughs> nice. All right, six K, real quick. Uh, I love Taylor Gooch. My numbers love also, Taylor Gooch. Yes. I'm going to play him. Alex Noren, I think, is my favorite play on the board in terms of low owned. Um, I mean, I, I did a whole write-up on Norin, so re- Norin for me. Uh, I mean, it kind of checks every single box. I, I like 5-1 to one on top 20 on FanDuel. Uh, top 40 is plus 125. I think that's a good number. I, I loved him as a buy low last week. I mean, he was okay. Nothing special, but, I mean, it is the best iron play streak of his career, I believe, um, going back to, I think I went back to 2017 or 2018, um, but he's more of a price grab overall. I had him at minus 105 for the top 40 market and 4-1 to one in the top 20. Um, I'm just banking on the irons staying hot. Love the proximities for all the distances that we looked at, and obviously I know I love his short game, so uh, I'm, I'm cool with uh, Alex Noren. I think this is a good spot for him. Love Taylor Gooch. Haven't really dove into. I mean, Danny Willett over five percent owned. I think I'm going to be out on Danny Willett. I know he's he's won here before, it's but a good don't price shit on about Willett. That. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the only thing I will say. I'd rather have Harold Varner at sixty five hundred. My numbers like Harold Varner a lot. Mine do too. I guess for me, and I will also just throw it out there. I want to say it's plus two forty on Norin to come top thirty. That's another wager on Fanduel that I placed. I bet him top thirty, top twenty, and top ten. He's probably one of my best values that I have, like uh, there's going to be a boomer bust nature to him, but I'm going to take that upside shot. When I ran my seven deadly sins article over at Roto baller, Max Homa and Alex Norn were the last two to be eliminated. And they only got eliminated when you look at, they don't have a top 30 at this course during the last three times that they've played it. So I think from a skill set standpoint and from a statistical standpoint, Alex Norn actually does check all the boxes here. Um, it doesn't mean he's going to win the event. And we also don't need it from a GPP perspective, but like Nick and I both have wagers on him at 340 to one. So I think that's a really good number grab at FanDuel. If you just are looking to take like a long shot wager down the board there, that price I had more in the 150 to one range. I don't know what you had on that, Nick. Uh, 210. Okay, so so still I mean, a significant value. That's a big, yes. I like Taylor Gooch. I like Seamus Power. I will be in on Alex Norin. I kind of sort of was intrigued by Kevin Na. I ended up removing him last minute. Like the course history is great here. I think the ownership is even fine at around 5%, but I'm kind of in the same boat as you where my model really liked Harold Varner. And I think this is where we can get an ownership discount on a lot of these live guys of the Gooches, the Varners, and these guys that have gotten pushed down so far that they're kind of an afterthought at this point. So I'm fine with the Varner play. Um, do you have any thoughts on KH Lee? I mean, he's a player that I can't really wrap my head around, but the model liked him. No, I do not have any thoughts on KH Lee. I think I'm good here. That's fair. And then the last player I at least want to talk about, and you know, I don't know if markets necessarily love him, but this would be in my eyes, the last player that is realistically on my board that I'm considering for DFS Mackenzie Hughes, 6,300. I don't mind Mac. Yeah, I, I I feel like I like Scott Stallings a little bit more as a debutant than I do for Mac Hughes. That's fair. I don't have a problem with Stallings. Like, I don't know if I necessarily trust him, but he at least has that upside to him if you are trying to throw a dart down in this section. Like, once you get lower than Stallings, it gets amateur, veteran, Kevin Kisner. Like, that's what you're looking yeah, at, and I don't want any of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kevin Co-crack? Kisner at Augusta is not a great fit. Like co-cracker now. I'm going to say no. I think he has that upside to him and that part of it's fine. But like if I'm directly comparing, I would rather play Varner 
And I don't want to start playing all these live guys in the $6,000 section. I think only some of them will actually pop. And that's why I'd rather pick and choose my spots. And for me, it's more of Varner and Gooch than it would be of Kevin Na and Kokrak. Yeah, I mean, that's probably it for me, though. Anything else that you want to mention? Any bets that you want to talk about? Um, I feel like I went over most of my bets. I did take Siwoo over Mido, minus 108 on FanDuel, just going with the course history of Siwoo yeah, over a debutante Mido. We talked enough about Alex Norin. Um, I followed you on Jason Day over Cam Young. I don't like either of them, but I definitely don't like Cam Young as much as I thought I would. Tony Finau, 25 to 1 outright. Um, Tyrell Hatton and Tiger, 85 to 1 on FanDuel. I had to. I have him at 71 to 1. But no, other than that, I'm uh, super excited for the DFS pool. It's, I don't know who I'm all going to cut right now. I own my pool is at 48 golfers. I'd like to see it get closer to 25, 30. So I got a lot of work to do here. Yeah, I'm going to try to, if it's possible, cut mine like into that like 25 or lower range in an ideal world. Like I'd like to get rid of the majority of these players and it's a work in progress right now for mine. Also, there's a lot of those fringe golfers that we talked about of the, you know, Chris Kirk's and Keith Mitchell's and these golfers that I haven't quite made a decision on and some will make it, some won't. And it's going to be a decision that's made for, I think, both of us over the next 24 plus hours, but before we officially get out of here, I'm going to make you give me an answer here, Nick. I never do this. It's a major. Who is winning the Masters this year? I'm going to go Tony Finau. I would love that if that was the case. So I have a Tony Finau outright that I placed at 29 to 1 a couple days ago um, over on FanDuel. That number's unfortunately moved a little bit. But anybody who had asked me that question for months, I gave Finau over and over and over again. I think Finau has a realistic shot. Like, I think he's a top five player to win this event. I think any price that is in the market that's above 22 to one is still value on him. But I'm going to take an exciting answer, maybe a more of a lame answer here. I'm going to say Rory McIlroy captures the career Grand Slam. It's a wet golf course. I think that this is the best chance he's ever had. And the one thing I wanted to say about Rory that I actually just remember that I never mentioned about him. So when I run the seven, or at least I don't think I have, if I have, I'm, obviously repeating it again and you're hearing it for the second time. But when I run the seven deadly sins article, Rory always gets eliminated because of three putt avoidance every single time. Like it always believes he can't win because of that one particular factor. And not that that's the be all end all for this. Like I understand that there's more that goes into it than that, but it's a reason that I believe he's been held back at this tournament. He is 10th in my model this year in three putt avoidance, uh, 19th overall in my model. That is well within the range that he needs to be to win this event. So I think this is the best course for him that he's ever had with the wet conditions. And I want to say this might be the best stylistic skill set from a statistical perspective that he's ever taken onto the table for this tournament. And if it's going to happen, it's going to happen this year. And if it doesn't happen this year, it might unfortunately never happen for him. I'd be all for it. I hope he does win. That'd be awesome. All right, Nick, I guess we will let everybody get out of here then off of that. Um, you know, once again, you can find Nick on Twitter at Sticks I am at Tee Off Sports. And if you have any questions about this week from any gambling perspective, I mean, whether it's DFS betting, one and done, whatever you want to talk about out there, please feel free to reach out to us at one of those handles. And also, if you're not doing so already, follow us on Twitter at Better Golf Pod. Thanks again to everyone that tuned into the show today. And as always, we cannot thank you enough for making us a part of your weekly research process. Good luck this week at Augusta, and we will see you back here next week.